Hey everybody, welcome to We the People, a, a podcast about politics in the center of left and right. My name is ZT. I'm going to be here with you a little while today while we discuss some pressing issues of the day. Today we're going to talk about the Second Amendment and all of the pitfalls associated with it. So sit back and relax, and we are going to have a great time today. All right, so the first thing that I want to talk about is this uh, lawsuit out of California, the Duncan v. Beccaria. It is the lawsuit that was filed about uh, California's high-capacity magazine ban that a federal district court uh, overturned as unconstitutional. Uh, I don't remember exactly when that was. I want to say... Uh, within the last three or four years. Um, it was appealed by the state of California to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, where a three-judge panel upheld the district court's ruling, stating that it was unconstitutional. Uh, the state of California has just recently, uh, I don't think I have a date right here very quick, uh, on April 1st, the state of California uh, uh, filed in um, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals for an in-bank hearing, or in-bank, I'm not entirely sure, I think it's in-bank uh, hearing uh, of the entire circuit, an 11-judge panel to, to re-examine the merits of the case and, and determine whether or not uh, it was constitutional, uh, the magazine ban was constitutional. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, talk about, you know, the, you know, high-capacity magazines. Um, I do agree that that there needs to be limits on the amount of ammunition that somebody can carry uh, in a in a single magazine. Uh, however, I don't believe that that limit is ten uh, for anything. Um, you know, for as long as uh, I can remember, uh, handguns have been standard capacity in fifteen rounds, uh, going all the way back to um, when uh, semi-automatic pistols uh, became very popular. Um, and then, uh, uh, rifles have always been, uh, 30 round magazines for as long as I can remember. Um, anything above those two numbers, uh, I would consider high capacity magazine, but, uh, 15 for a pistol and 30 for a rifle seems pretty standard. And I think that was the argument that, uh, the federal district court and the three judge panel for the ninth circuit court of appeals agreed that, uh, that those are, magazine capacities that are in common use at the time, which uh, prohibiting that would be uh, a constitutional violation. So uh, 100 round drums, no, don't need them. Uh, 50 round uh, magazines for a pistol, no. I don't even think they make 50 round magazines. I know they make 30 round magazines for uh, some uh, Glock pistols, but no, don't need it. Um, for a pistol, anyways. Um, so yeah, so... Uh, if we look at this uh, this case that's pending, uh, I, I really feel like even if um, the state of California is uh, successful in getting the uh, magazine ban reinstated, which uh, it never really uh, went away, the the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals put a stay in place uh, that kept the magazine ban in place while the uh, superior courts considered it. So uh, even if the the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, the, the full circuit, hears the case and they decide that uh, the magazine capacity ban uh, is constitutional, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Guaranteed. Going to go to the Supreme Court. 
and the Supreme Court, um, as it stands right now, has a majority of justices that lean conservative and are pro-Second Amendment. And uh, just my intuition, uh, they're probably going to strike it down. Um, and if they don't, you know, well, then then that'll be the consequences. But uh, just my my guess that uh, that they will uh, strike down the magazine ban is unconstitutional. Um, so, uh, you know, a couple other things I wanted to talk about with the Second Amendment. You know, we have, uh, first of all, I, I'd like to uh, point out that I, I am wholeheartedly in agreement that we need to have universal background checks. I get it. It's pretty standard. Um, I think there should be some exceptions, uh, you know, that that's debatable um, about whether or not um, law enforcement officers or people that have concealed carry permits or maybe even uh, members of the military, active duty members of the military, uh, should have to go through a background check every time they want to buy a firearm. But, you know, that's that's all debatable. Um, what is important is that we have uh, universal background checks for private firearm sales as well as um, public firearm sales. When You know, when you go to a, a firearms dealer or a, a gun shop and purchase a firearm, you should have to go through a background check. Um, that being said, uh, mental health evaluations, I'm not entirely sold on. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, how much is that going to cost? And who's going to do it? Uh, just my guess from experience that a mental health evaluation is not a cheap endeavor. And so then you start talking about the cost prohibitiveness of exercising a right. And, uh, you know, like it or not, um, the Second Amendment is a right. It is a right just like your First Amendment is a right, just like your Third Amendment uh, is a right. You know, the freedom of speech, the freedom to not quarter soldiers in your home, uh, the freedom from unreasonable search and seizure. Um, you know, it, it's a right. And I get that there can be some reasonable restrictions on rights, um, and I just don't know that an exorbitant fee for a mental health check every time you want to purchase a firearm is the uh, correct answer to that. Because let me give you an example. Uh, have somebody that is indigent. Well, I don't want to say indigent. Uh, we'll just say a lower class that decides they want to buy a firearm. And you can buy a firearm, a pistol, um, for, you know, in the $200 range. Uh, they're not the greatest pistol in the world, but you can buy one brand new, um, and you can use it for self-defense in the home if you so decide that that's what you want to do. So I decide, you know, I'm uh, I make seventeen dollars an hour working at McDonald's, for example, and I decide I want to go buy a pistol. And now, on top of my background check fee, which is I think twenty-five to fifty dollars, depending, uh, I have to pay for a mental health evaluation, which could be upwards of a thousand dollars, but let's just be generous and say that it's, we'll just call it 200 bucks. So already the cost of exercising my right is more than, um, the cost of the firearm. So a $200 firearm and we're looking at $250 for a mental health evaluation and a background check. And that also doesn't include the cost of obtaining a training certificate um, that says that you have been trained in the proper use of a firearm. 
the NRA does offer those, and they're about $150 to attend a class. And in, I believe they're a week-long class, five days. Um, and I think it's just two or three hours a day, so you can do it after work. But, you know, now we're starting to talk about, uh, you know, cost prohibitiveness of, of how much are we going to charge somebody to, to own a firearm. And I get it, you know, what is the cost of safety? Well, what is the cost of exercising a right? Um, you know, uh, the First Amendment, you know, if you want to protest, you're supposed to get a permit. And the city or local government, will just say, cannot make the cost of a permit so prohibitive that you cannot exercise your right. So we have to be very careful about how much we're going to make it for somebody to purchase a firearm to exercise the right to keep and bear arms. Now, while we talk about that, I know there are some people out there that are banging their hands on the table saying, but the Second Amendment is not an individual right. It's a right for there to be a state-run militia. Well, no. So that argument is so ridiculous. Uh, I don't know where it got started. The Bill of Rights and every single one of the amendments contained therein is all about individual rights. Uh the First Amendment is your uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and those are individual rights. The Third Amendment, like we talked about, your right as a homeowner to not quarter soldiers in your home. Fourth Amendment, the individual right to be free from illegal searches and seizures. Uh, the Fifth Amendment is your individual right to uh, due process and to not self-incriminate. Uh, the Sixth Amendment is your right to a jury trial and criminal proceedings, as well as the right to counsel individually. These are all individual rights. Uh, the Eighth Amendment is your individual right to be free from cruel and unusual punishment from the government. So all those people that are arguing that the Second Amendment is not about individual citizens owning firearms, I ask you, why would the drafters of the uh, Bill of Rights plop a right of the government to maintain a militia in the middle of a document that's about individual rights. Uh, the individual's right to be free from government intervention on all these different things. Uh, so I, there is no other argument to say that the Second Amendment is about anything other than the individual's right to own a firearm. End of discussion. That's just the way it is. Uh, and, and also while we're at it, cause I know that there's people out there too, that are screaming, uh, the second amendment was only meant for muskets and, and black powder pistols and stuff like that. Well, okay. Um, it, you know, if you make that argument, then that means that the freedom of the press was only about the quill and, and inkwell and that, uh, freedom of religion only applied to Catholicism and the, uh, freedom from illegal search and seizure only applies to your home and not your computer. Uh, you know, that's just ridiculous. The constitution grows and evolves as we, uh, become more self-aware as to what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. Uh, you know, at the time, uh, cruel and unusual punishment was not having your head chopped off for a crime. Uh, now we recognize cruel and unusual punishment is, is you know, lethal injection for rape, um, you know, or, uh, you know, excessive fines for petty crimes is cruel and unusual punishment. Um, so we have to be very careful about those things. Um, 
So to, uh, to get back to uh, the mental health part of it. Um, so what is interesting to me is that this is only going to prevent the, and there's actually two, two aspects to this is there's only going to prevent uh, mental health problems, people with mental health problems from purchasing firearms at the time of sale. Uh, and, and even then it's not going to catch everybody, uh, because you can have mental health problems that are not apparent to somebody who is providing a mental health evaluation. That doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that you're going to get, you're going to get stopped from purchasing a firearm. It's going to catch the fringes. It's going to catch the Adam Lanza's of the world and possibly, uh, this nut job in Boulder. I don't even remember what his name is. Uh, from purchasing a firearm. Uh, it's not going to stop uh, Columbine from happening. Columbine was a straw purchase. It was their girlfriend that purchased them the firearm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, and, and for, for that matter, Adam Lanza didn't buy a firearm. He killed his mother and stole her firearm to go do the Sandy Hook shooting. So, uh, you know, mental health evaluation was not going to stop that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stop probably a small percentage of these tragic events that occur. Um, but it's not going to be the holy grail. And we're going to sit back and go, well, you know, we passed all these laws. Why is this still happening? Um, and it's because we're not addressing the true issue. And that is, in my opinion, the true issue is that we're not teaching the sanctity of life to our children anymore. Uh, we let the TVs... Uh, bring them up and you know all the violence of video games and TVs now is that the only thing to blame no and that's a different subject for a different time but uh, the fact is that these um, these laws are just laws and laws are only good as, as the people that obey them otherwise they're just words on paper and Unfortunately, that's just the way the world is, and we're never going to get rid of all firearms. Uh, I know people talk about, oh, you know, Australia did it, oh, New Zealand did it. Well, you know, that's fine and dandy, but those are islands. The United States is connected by a very long border to Mexico, and if it were just as easy as they say it is to get rid of all firearms, we would have got rid of drugs a long time ago, uh, and we haven't. The war on drugs was an utter failure. And I don't see how, the, you know, that this, you know, utopia land of banning all firearms is going to, um, it's going to be successful at all. I mean, all you have to do is look south uh, to Mexico. Uh, Mexico has made it 100% illegal for private citizens to own firearms with uh, very few exceptions uh, for sporting and it's very incredibly difficult to get a permit and you have to have a lot of money to do it. So typically the only people that get it are the very wealthy. Uh, but yet we see every day, uh, the only people that have firearms down there are the government and the cartels and the law abiding citizens in the middle are caught in the crossfire and end up the casualties of this war, uh, this the war on the cartels and the drugs. I don't know what the answer to that is. And that's another podcast all in and of itself, the war on drugs. Um, but be that as it may, 
uh, with the Second Amendment and with the laws that we have now, there are some ways to tighten some stuff up, like I talked about with the universal background check. 100% agree with that. Um, not sold on the mental health evaluations. Oh, and so also one of the things that we haven't talked about is this this training requirement. Um, and, and, you know, I think I'm on board with um, if you're going to purchase a firearm, you have to provide proof that you have been through firearms safety. Uh, and the NRA offers several courses um, in, in this. And, and you don't have to get it from the NRA. It's just what I'm familiar with. Um, I, I'm sure there are several other organizations out there that provide firearm safety training, uh, pistol safety, as well as rifle safety, uh, fairly inexpensive. I think like $150 is usually the, um, typical cost to, to go through the firearm safety training. Or, um, if you served in the military, uh, you can provide proof that, um, that you were trained in a pistol or a rifle. Uh, I think that should be, uh, good enough to say that, that you have passed a, a firearms uh, training certification. Um, so I think that's a great idea. Um, I think that uh, especially a, a firearm, it, it is prudent to say uh, that you are proficient in how to use it safely so that we can cut back on uh, accidental deaths. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for the podcast today. Thank you for listening to my uh, chat about the Second Amendment and what we can do. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or would just like to follow me on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at Truthseeker. That's T-R-U-T-H-S-E-E-K-E-R. That's at T-R-U-T-H-S-E-788-639-31. I appreciate everybody for listening. Come back again, and we will have another podcast here pretty soon on another subject that brings us to closer to the middle as Americans. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend.